0: The Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I'm here with my co host, Meredith Brock.
1: Well, hey, Kaylee, I'm so glad to be with you today because we have a very, very special podcast in store today. Yes, we do. And do you know why that is? Why? Because today we are celebrating the release of Lisa Turkhurst's uh, most recent title, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way.
0: So exciting.
1: I, I'm thrilled. I honestly, we've been working towards this state for for how long? I mean, it's been like two years in the making or yes, longer. Years. So um, I'm thrilled. I'm really, really excited to hear the message today um, and hear what Lisa has to say. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa.
2: Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. And uh, thank you for being so excited about the new book. Well, I'm I'm thrilled. Can't wait to hear your message today.
0: Yeah, me too. And like we said, this book has been a long time coming. So this is a special episode for us to record because it's not often that we get to release an episode at the same time something new is released to the world. So, Lisa, I know those of us who get to work with you at Proverbs 31 know what the writing and publishing process is like for you. But for our listeners, I think they could find it really cool to hear you explain the process a little. So will you share with us?
2: Sure. Well, first of all, before I write a message, I have to live a message. And um, uh, so the living of this message um started several years ago. But um, the writing of this message was different and probably more complicated than any other book I've done. Because most of the time, the living happens, all the lessons are learned. Um, I know how every story in the book ends up. And um, it's uh, I write it from a been there, done that kind of place. Mm -hmm. Very vulnerable, very honest, very real, very raw. That's the way all of my books are. But um, I'm often reflecting... Back For this message, it's not supposed to be this way. I was writing this one in real time. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of the hurt. Um, I was in the middle of the life lessons. Um, certainly God had been teaching me so much, but a lot of the message he was teaching me in real time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this message has a different feel. This message uh, not only does the reader not know how every story will turn out, but as I was writing it, I didn't Mm -hmm. either. That's why you'll find in the back of the book, there's um, an epilogue. Uh, Then there's an update from Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there's like, oh yeah. And then like, Paul Harvey says, and then here's the rest of the story, right, you know, yeah. um, and probably we won't even know the rest of the story until my next book comes out mm-hmm. after this one. But I acknowledge that throughout the book, and there's a point of why I wrote it that way, um, because I think often most of us feel like we're in the middle of something very difficult. Mm-hmm. And writing from that middle place gave me an opportunity to um, hold my reader's hand in the pit. I'm not mm-hmm. standing outside of the pit calling down saying, you can do this. You can climb out. Here's step one, step two, step three. I'm in the pit with the reader and I'm acknowledging the goodness that can be found right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm acknowledging that we can't always tie our hope to the outcome of how we mm-hmm. think things will turn out. Uh, we must tie our hope to the Lord. And if the Lord is right there and we know that He is, He's very close to the brokenhearted, yeah. then that gave me an opportunity to speak from a different vantage point and help people know that when we have a right understanding of God, we can have a much better understanding of our circumstances even before the situation changes. That's good.
1: Wow. So good. So good. One of the illustrations you use in the book about this period of your life that you're in that I think is just so fitting is it's like you're walking on a tightrope. Yes. You know, and you're at that point where you're like halfway between and you can't go back because it's just as tragic and scary as going back as it is as going forward. So you're just out there swaying. And, you know, I know I've been there absolutely in my life where I'm like, I can't go back, but I'm so scared to move forward, too. Um, and I just think it's such a beautiful illustration. And I, I honestly, I can't tell you how many times I have just said, oh, it's just not supposed to be this way. This mm-hmm. is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. Um, and I know this message very intimately myself because I've walked alongside you as we've gone through this process of writing the book. And this is a tremendous tool mm. uh, that will help anybody who is in that position of wrestling with those feelings of disappointment, mm-hmm. of, of wondering um, this is not what I wanted my life to be, so now what? Mm -hmm. What do I do? How do I get through this? How do I move forward? How do I not go backwards? Um, So I'm really
2: excited about the message you have for us today on your release day. So Lisa, take it away. Thanks, Meredith. And actually, for those of you who already have the book and you've started to read the book, um, you'll see in chapter one that um there's a friend that I'm calling at five thirty in the morning and um Meredith you were that friend that I called mm-hmm. and so when you say you've walked this message through with me it's been from the very first second. True. And uh so I know that um Today's teaching will be personal to you as it is to me. Today, I want to talk about the birthplace of disappointment. Where does it come from, Mm -hmm. and how do we better deal with it? The reason I think it's so crucial for us to talk about disappointment is because the enemy uses our disappointments— in the most vicious way. And if we aren't aware of it, then it's so easy for us to fall prey to it. Mm-hmm. And how the enemy uses our disappointment is in our life, most of us will have an expectation that's way up here. Mm-hmm. And then our actual experience is several notches, if not mm-hmm. way down below our expectation. So we have an expectation. And then we have an experience. And the fertile ground between those two, the distance between those two, is where uh, disappointment grows wild and free. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know what to do with our disappointment, then it often sits there. And, um, and depending on how we fertilize it with our continued regrets and anxiety and frustrations over our disappointment. The enemy cannot read our mind, but he can certainly watch our expressions. He can see what we post on social media, on Facebook. He can um, hear the words that come out of our mouth. And we are very expressive people about our disappointments. Mm-hmm. It's uh, You can see it on a child's face when they open up a birthday gift at their birthday party. It's no secret if they like the gift or if they're disappointed in the gift. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are much the same with many of the things that happen to our life. Mm -hmm. So we're disappointed. And then here's how the enemy um, likes to move in in those moments. He will locate one of our disappointments, and then he will handcraft a temptation that's the perfect relief for that disappointment Or so he says. Mm. Now, remember, Mm. our God speaks in a language of freedom. We're going to see that in a minute in the scriptures we turn to. But I want you to note something about the enemy. The enemy speaks to us in um, a way that twists god's word and and makes us feel as if god is a god of restriction mm-hmm. and so if we feel like god has restricted from us what could possibly ease the ache of our disappointment and this temptation that is sitting there and it's the perfect solution to make us feel comforted mm-hmm. or to make us feel more connected or to make us feel um, that it's going to ease the ache of the pain of our disappointment mm-hmm. then we start paying attention to the, dis- to the temptation. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the other thing the enemy does. The enemy doesn't show up on our front door, knock on our front door and say, here's a temptation that <laughs> right. I am going to present to you. And here yeah. are all the consequences that come along with that temptation. Mm-hmm. No, the enemy does everything he can to make the consequences of that temptation hidden so that he can get us to phase number two of what the enemy mm-hmm. wants to do. So, the first is temptation. The second is deception. And how the enemy likes to deceive us is a couple of different ways. Number one, in this deception, uh, the enemy wants us to feel like we are the exception. This is wrong for everyone else, but we can handle it. Mm. Number two, It's not going to hurt anyone else. It just involves us. This is a personal private matter, and it's not going to hurt anyone else. Therefore, it's okay to do this in secret. Mm -hmm. And the other way that I think the deception comes in is the enemy speaks to us, and sometimes we even think it's our own voice justifying this, but it says, based on everything we've been through, this is perfectly acceptable to you. Mm -hmm. So... All this deception is handcrafted to make that temptation seem completely justifiable, and after all the the temptation sees like it seems like it will ease the ache or make the pain of our circumstances go away, and we are not into uh, being in pain at all right so then as soon as we grab a hold of that temptation, make it ours, and decide to partake in the sin, then the third phase of Satan's plan kicks in, and that's accusation. Mm-hmm. So it's temptation, deception, and accusation. And accusation was his plan all along. Make no mistake, the enemy never meant to coddle you or comfort you. The enemy means to crush you. Mm-hmm. And in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, um, it makes it very clear. The enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. It's He accuses us day and night. And it's also very clear why he wants to accuse us. It's to keep our mouth shut so that we we will not share a good testimony mm-hmm. about the lord and it says that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony jesus has already brought the blood we are supposed to bring the word of our testimony But if He can accuse us to the point where the enemy makes us feel like we are wrapped in shame Mm -hmm. and condemnation and guilt and anxiety, and if He can take us deeper and deeper to keep us tied to that sin, we will not open up our mouth Mm -hmm. with a good testimony of how the Lord can deliver. Mm -hmm. Um, And we may not even experience the Lord's deliverance because we won't grab a hold of it getting out of the sin um, Mm -hmm. that we're in. So all of that paints a very important backdrop. So where do we find, where is this birthplace of disappointment? Mm -hmm. Where did all this come from? Mm -hmm. And how did the enemy first come into play? Mm -hmm. In Genesis chapter 2, the enemy is not present in this story. As a matter of fact, sin is not present here. In Genesis chapter 2, we find Adam and Eve being formed in the Garden of Eden. And it's important to note, if you're taking notes, the human heart was created in the context of perfection. Um, Now, what makes things so complicated is we're going to get to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to learn that perfection no longer exists because of some events that happens in Genesis chapter 3. So, wrapped up in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, we know that perfection exists, but because we don't live in perfection anymore, Mm -hmm. that's why there is disappointment. But God even has a good plan with that. Mm -hmm. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse 5, it says this, now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent the rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there He put the man He formed. And the, man, the Lord God formed all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. If you're taking notes, just make note, all the trees in the garden were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, though, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. So the Lord God took the man, make note, the woman was not present here. She had not even been formed yet. So the Lord God took the man and commanded the man and listened to the first three words that are recorded that the Lord spoke to the man, you are free because our God does speak in a language of freedom mm-hmm. with some restriction for our protection, which mm-hmm. we're going to see. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but, and here comes the restriction for his protection you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly. Die. I'm convinced at this point the man did not write the one rule down because the very next sentence that we find in scripture, verse 18, the Lord God said, Hmm, it is not good for the man to be alone. <laughs> I will make a helper suitable to him. Mm-hmm. So um, at this point, we have the man, we have the Lord, the Lord speaking in a language of freedom who gives Adam a restriction for his protection. And what was this protection? You see, not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know now because we can put it in context with the rest of the scripture that the knowledge of good and evil, the only way to dif- know the difference between good and evil is to not just experience a good, but to experience evil. And evil was a weight that God never intended for the human heart to have to wrestle through, to have to deal with, to have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. God never God never wanted us to know about things like a cancer diagnosis. God never wanted us to know th- about things like the devastation of a murder or a rape mm-hmm. or or um, even natural disasters where innocent people get killed. None of that was part of God's original design. That's the weight of the knowledge of evil. And God said, don't eat from that. That's not a knowledge mm-hmm. that I want you to have to wrestle through. And yet, oftentimes, The very thing that the Lord says, don't. My friend Levi Lusko says, we should, every time God says do not, we should really interpret it, do not hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And boy, does this make it more apparent why God told Adam, don't eat from that tree because what it will unleash is a kind of death that that, honestly the Lord will spend the rest of the Bible having to deal with. So uh, then... Starting in verse 19, all the animals are brought before Adam. He names them, but no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God makes a woman. And um, I love verse uh, 25 of Genesis chapter 2. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The reason why they could stand there and feel no shame is because they had no other opinion to contend with but the absolute love Mm. of God himself. That was perfection. But then Genesis 3 happens. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Now, listen to the first three words that the enemy says that God said. Now, we know the first three words. What were the first three words that God said? You You are free. free. But now look what the enemy does. He twists it. And the first three words that the enemy quotes God as having said, you must not. Because Mm -hmm. the enemy always wants us to believe that we serve a God of restriction, and he wants to make us question God's Word. Did God really say? Because the enemy would love for us to believe that God's Word is too hard to understand and too difficult to live out. And so that's exactly what's happening here. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I wish at this point the woman would have said, if you're so interested in what God said, go ask Him yourself. Mm -hmm. But the woman did not the woman entertains a conversation with evil. And before I shake my finger at the woman, I have to say, I am guilty of this too. Mm -hmm. The woman says to the serpent, we may eat from the trees that are in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And then she adds something very interesting to it. She says, you must not even touch it or you will die. Now, this is not at all what God said. And this is where... I'm going to park our teaching. There's so much more to unpack, and we will do that next month in our next podcast. But I want to park right here about the woman adding an assumption of her own to God's Word. She is assuming if God said not to eat from it, then surely God means they must not even touch it. But this is an assumption by the woman. This is not an instruction by God. And I get myself in trouble a lot with assumptions. And here's how it works into my disappointments I will feel disappointed in something. And then because we Christians love to pep rally around our situations and say, well, God will surely work good from this. And it is true, God will work eventual good from everything that we go through. He will. However, We must not assume that we know the good that our God is working, Mm -hmm. because if we don't, if if we start doing this, if we start adding and writing our own story, we can get our story so far down the path, and we become very attached to the outcomes of our own making. So we like to assume that we know the good that our good God will surely do. Or, like Eve, we want to add restrictions to God's protective um, instruction that God never intended. And by us adding to our own assumptions and our own opinions to God's Word, Mm -hmm. we can start assuming and even holding God accountable to the outcome we expect. Mm -hmm. When in reality, God has a good plan in mind, but it's probably not going to look anything like the one of our own design. It's just not. And the minute we start becoming attached to the outcome of our own assumption or our own opinion, that's the minute we start becoming epically disappointed in even God Himself. Wow. I know this message because I've lived this message. And um, for those of you who have followed along with my story, you know that about three years ago, my marriage absolutely blew apart. And in the midst of all the hurt and all the heartbreak and all the disappointment, I started to do this. I started to assume that I knew what a good God should do. And in my prayer time, I would even go to God and make all kinds of assumptions and suggestions and strategies. I could list out all the things that Mm -hmm. He should do. And here I sit three years later and God has absolutely taken me through quite a journey um, full of ups and downs and full of long seasons where it seemed like the outcome that I very much wanted would never come to pass. Now, I mm-hmm. will say God is writing a very redemptive story in my life and in my marriage, but I have to tell you, it's not of my own making. Nothing I ever suggested to God ever worked, (laughs) nothing I ever strategized that could work ever did. Mm -hmm. The, The unfolding of my story looked nothing at all like my suggestion, and praise God for that. So when you're sitting here in the middle of your own disappointment, maybe your own disillusionment, maybe your own devastation, um, I just want you to know I understand where you're at, and that's why I wrote my book. It's not supposed to be this way, because not only do I understand, but I think God has shown me something pretty miraculous that every Christian needs to understand, and that is If we have a wrong understanding of God, we will always have a misunderstanding of our circumstances. I wrote my book so that in the middle of people's disappointments and devastations and disillusionments that they would have something to grasp onto that's full of God's truth Mm -hmm. and that will help us trust God. Trusting God is no joke. It's the hardest lesson we'll ever have to Mm -hmm. learn, but Mm -hmm. trusting God is the most crucial lesson of all.
1: So good, Lisa. So good. I I have literally written right here in my notes, um, because I have walked alongside you in this season. Um, I literally literally wrote, this is a hard-earned teaching, not something that Mm -hmm. Lisa learned from just sitting down and absorbing a book. But this Mm -hmm. is one that you learned, boots on the ground, Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes head buried in a pillow, Mm-hmm. Um, with tears rolling down mm-hmm. your cheeks, um, trying to figure out what was next or like begging God mm-hmm. for what, like, this is not supposed mm-hmm. to be what's happening, God. This mm-hmm. is not what I thought was going to happen in my family. Um, and it's been a, a privilege to watch you walk through that. Uh, one of the things that you said is that, um, that really sticks out to me and that I've watched you live, um, is we can't assume what the good is that God is going to do for us, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know along this, this journey that we've taken together, um, there were moments where I was certain I knew it was going to (laughs) happen. I was like, okay, this is how this is all going to end, you know? Um, and have just seen, um, you walk with such faithfulness to an obedience, um, and patience as God has Mm -hmm. led you, um, down this road, I wanted. I want to ask you for mm-hmm. for those for our listeners today um, who are stuck right in that place where they're crying out to God and saying, "This is not what I thought my life was going to look like. This is not. Um, it's not supposed to be this way. Mm-hmm. Whether it be from a disappointment in a job." Maybe they've been let go from a job, or maybe their marriage is going through a similar season that yours has gone through, or maybe they have a child that has um, strayed away. Um, It could be a number of different things. Um, What is the one piece of advice that you would give them in this season um, right now?
2: Yeah, and I would add to your list too, or maybe things seem so final like oh, the yes. divorce happened yeah. the diagnosis Absolutely. did lead to mm-hmm. the death of that loved one right. you know and things seem so final mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where it's like no matter what life will never look the same yeah. right yeah and so um first of all i would say um, one of the hardest parts of this to me um i kept finding myself resisting and saying I don't want this to be my story.
1: Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I
2: just don't want this to be my story. But what I would have to say is along the way, I've had to have many little funerals um, for the way I thought my life would look. Yeah. And I had to detach myself from the expectation of what my life should be, could be, would have been. If yeah. these circumstances wouldn't have wouldn't have unfolded, and I had to acknowledge reality, mm-hmm. um, I had to say, "This is my reality. This is my story. I may not like it. I may not want it. I may not see any possibility of good coming from it. But mm-hmm. this is it." And then I offered that up as a gift to the lord and i just said you know sometimes our gifts to the lord is they're found in obedience and sometimes it's just a prayer of sacrifice Mm -hmm. so i just had to say lord i offer you this prayer of sacrifice um of my life doesn't look the way i thought it would Mm -hmm. and it's never going to look exactly like i thought it would but here's the hope in hebrews chapter 12 um starting in uh verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of faith. You see, we don't have to stress about grabbing the pen and trying to write our own story. God is not only the author of our story. um, and, And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, He will show us an even more glorious story that can be mm-hmm. written. It's a story of faith, wow. not of perfect feelings. Yeah. So uh-huh. he is the author and the perfecter of our faith story. Mm-hmm. And then it says, for the joy set before him, there is joy before us. Mm. There is joy there. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, just fix your thoughts there. Hmm. Consider what he did, how he suffered, how he died, how how he found the joy on the other side Mm -hmm. of his horrific circumstances. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose Mm -hmm. heart. There is a joy set before you Mm -hmm. and it's not dependent on that person changing, those circumstances changing, the rights being wronged, the insecurities being filled up. Mm -hmm. It's not dependent on all. There is a joy set before you because God put it there. Mm -hmm. And in his right right time and in his right way, as you keep your eyes on him, you'll see it.
1: Wow. Wow. So good. That's so I love the thought. I don't actually love it, but it's a true thought. Is that what funeral I'm asking myself right now, Mm -hmm. what funeral do I need to have today? Mm-hmm. of some expectation of some picture that maybe I've painted mm-hmm. in my head of what I thought my life was going to be, or maybe not even my life, not that big grand scale, but maybe I just have a picture of what I thought a particular mm-hmm. relationship was supposed right. to be like. Or, um, And I want to challenge our listeners today. Mm-hmm. What funeral do you need to have today mm-hmm. in order to allow the Lord to bring in the joy that Lisa is talking about? Um, yeah. That's a hard thing to do to have those
2: funerals. Yes, it is. So. And so, it can yeah. be over small things too, but I will say this, um, letting go of an expectation that is no longer realistic in your life, mm. it is not an end. It's often what must be present for the brand new to begin. So, good. Mm-hmm. so sometimes right. we've got to let go in order of what isn't so that we can grab a right. hold of what can be
1: right, and you're and you're here today. I've seen you; the joy has returned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is back, um, right. and it, it's good to be in a place where the Lord renews our strength and joy yeah. and um, hope. It's mm-hmm. really, really
0: good. Well, that's right. Um, so glad to have you here today, Lisa. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you are in a situation that is hard right now, it's not supposed to be this way. It's out for real. You don't have to wait any longer to get the truths that are in this book, and I've read an early reader's copy myself and have been in lots of groups, and I know that the message in this book isn't just something that reads well. It's something that lives well, Mm -hmm. and Lisa, you do such a good job. At the end of every chapter, you help give people a next right step to take. It's not like they close the book and then have to do something they know what to do. Um, through each chapter. So you can purchase your copy at p31bookstore.com or any of the other retailers out there. Yeah,
1: we know you have plenty of options when it comes to purchasing Lisa's book, but when you purchase from Proverbs 31 Bookstore, it helps us keep doing what we do here at Proverbs 31 for completely free, Mm -hmm. right? right. Um, And while you're on the website, looking around there, we encourage you to take a look at some of the exclusive, exclusive resources we've paired with Lisa's book. We've got this fantastic journal mm-hmm. that you can use alongside reading yep. the book. Um, we have some really cute, I love them, t-shirts and even a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. We've got a great bracelet, um, things that will help you um, remember the message of the book and make you look kind of adorable at the same time. And That's right. I don't right. Know about you, but I like to look adorable. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, make sure you take a look around on
0: the website at some of the other things we have to offer. That's right. Well, that about wraps us up for today today's episode thanks so much for listening guys and thank you lisa for your message today we're so excited for your book to finally be out for the world to read we'll see you next time